it hit me that what it really meant is that every relationship in my life, every relationship was really an exterior fake me that I had built up based off all my childhood wounds to present out in the world so that I could feel safe and enough and matter. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Mark and I are blown away by the tremendous support on the heels of our 150th episode. We're excited to welcome thousands of new subscribers and wanted to share a few of our past listener favorites. Thank you again for subscribing, favoriting, and sharing. Now sit back and enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secret Life Podcast. Tell me your secret. I'll tell you mine. The best way to support the show is to subscribe and share. If you haven't left a review or ratings on iTunes, please do. It helps more people find our show. And if you want to be on it, please shoot me a note at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Welcome to Secret Life Podcast. I'm Brianne Davis-Gant. Today, I'm pulling back the curtains of all kinds of human secrets. We'll hear about what people are hiding from themselves or others. You know those deep, dark secrets you probably want to go to your grave with? Are those lighter, funnier secrets that are just plain embarrassing? Really, the how, what, when, where, and why of it all. Today, my guest is Bo. Now, Bo, I have a question for you. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. He beat me to it. What is your secret? <laughs> what is my secret? And I had no idea that that was going to be the question. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> yeah, uh, what is my secret? Well, it's kind of a two-part answer, really. Um, you know, my secret is kind of your secret. You know, I listened to your the first episode where you kind of unveiled what this was all about. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, too, am in that realm, as you, as you know, of um, being a sex and love addict or you know, let's say call that uh, defective character sex and love addiction. But, you know, that's something that I don't really put out in the world, but I also do put it out in the world in a weird way. Um, You know, I mean, I have a podcast, which I don't know if you know much about, but it's kind of about like putting the things out in the world that we typically want to hide because we have like the fake self that we want to present to the world because we think if we don't present that like we won't matter we won't have a success like we don't want to ruffle people's feathers like yeah i call it the filtered self it's our filtered self yeah yeah so the filtered self and you know but the truth is i know for me that the only chance i really have at making an impact on others and having a chance at really helping others Mm -hmm. is sharing openly and vulnerably about topics that up until really recently and even still now you know you just don't go there you know because it's just not okay to go there and it's very uncomfortable and nobody wants to talk about it but if we don't talk about it nobody gets well you know yeah. and so you know for me i mean it was a two part secret by the way the secret i was really going to lead with is like how obsessed i am with like my physical appearance <gasps> Oh, I love that. <laughs> and and have been since I was probably like in fifth grade. Wow. Can you tell us why in fifth grade? Well, you know, I, and I guess what I mean that that ties in with like having the component of sex, love and intimacy addiction or issues in your life Yeah, is like it all stems from like the physical skin suit that I look in the mirror at. I just don't like. I don't think it's enough. I think it needs to change. I'm constantly thinking that it might need to look a certain way to get the validation I so desperately crave. And when I was a kid, you know, um, 
I mean, let's be honest, as a kid, you're already getting fed magazines, TV, movies, you're getting Oh, yeah. Fed, it all is like, it's shoved in your face. You can't even not see it. Right. And so when I was a kid, what's interesting is there was a, well, I don't know if you call him a friend, but somebody in my school, and I'll never forget that there was some moment where he was kind of like, you got to suck in your stomach. Like you need to suck in your stomach because, you know, you want to look lean or fit or whatever. But like, and then there was the head and shoulders commercial that I got fed as a kid, which is you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Wow. I never thought that affected men as much as women. I've heard you have to suck in your, your stomach as a female, but I've never heard a male actually said that to them. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, and I think it's interesting because I have thought about it a lot and somebody who's in the program of SLAA and who's done a lot of work in other 12 step programs and Mm -hmm. who has really, let's call, um, researched the self and, you know, one of the biggest things that's been a struggle for me is just noticing, really being present to how consumed my mind is trying to pull me at some level to be focused on my body on the regular. How's our hair look? Do we feel like we look thin? Uh, what should we wear like so we can get validated in the world? And sometimes it's not even that detailed. It's just an ingrained habit of like, oh, there's a mirror. When I walk by a mirror, let's just give it a look and see what our snap reaction to this skin suit is. Oh, well, it's kind of like a nanosecond. Like, I guess it'll do. But there's no, there's no real self-love. There's no real, like, it's based in, like, this sex and love component of, like, I'm not enough as I am. Yeah. I, I get my worth out in the world. And so in order to do that, we need to make this thing that the world has told us needs to be a certain way in order to get it. And so my whole life has been riddled with that really driving, making it look enough, whatever that even means. (laughs) I love that you said walking by like a reflection or a mirror, because I used to get my, my husband used to be like, you never met a reflection you didn't like. (laughs) Like I would like walk by a car and be like, oh, is my hair okay? Like, (laughs) And I don't do that that much anymore. I have to say it's like the more you get outside of yourself, obsession, the freer you are from what you look on the outside. Yeah, I mean, totally. It's, it's interesting having been in this process a few years as well. I mean, I'm in the other beverage program, as some people call it, AA, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm I have been for a long, long time. And but this one, it's like five years ish, Mm -hmm. um, four to five years and like a year of real vigilance, real surrender, whatever, we don't need to get into those details, or maybe we can, but you know, it's interesting. Um, I think one of the components to healing in life is so often I find even in my my own journey that people have this idea of like, okay, I know there's like the best version of me, the authentic me, the light me. And so I know it exists and I know I'm not really there yet, but whatever I can do to jump to it as quickly as possible, I'm all in. Yeah. We want to get to it. Like, get me to that that part. <laughs> right. And But the unfortunate part in my experience is sometimes we just have to simply be with the noticing and awareness of like in the discomfort of, oh, I'm, I, I have a mind that is so conditioned to be self-obsessed and all about the self-identity and its enoughness or not enoughness, getting in shape, diet, working out, haircuts, nail salon, whatever. I mean, it's endless makeup. I mean, the ways that our mind are constantly, let's call it our ego, trying to pull us 
into like, dude, your body's not enough. Let's do something with it. You're never enough. You're never enough. Well, if you look, if you look on TV, it's telling us we're never enough or it's going to the other side, being gluttonous, like eating all this kind of stuff, buying all this kind of stuff. Nothing is ever enough. And I feel like right now what's happening is the world is shifting a little bit where it's like, there's no point. So it's taking away all those things we used to obsess about. Do you feel like that? I mean, of course, I feel like that. I mean, again, going back to the theme of like, oh, as a man saying out loud, a man that's conditioned to conditioned watching superheroes as a kid and like, I need to be more than human. I need to be perfect. Mm. I need to save the day. I need to look fit. I need to make money. This kind of alpha exterior that a lot of boys and men are kind of conditioned with. And, you know, moving that into the kind of sex and love addiction realm, like one component is, you know, I'm fed by the exterior constantly uh, uh, from social media to entertainment to billboards to magazines, like, I'm constantly fed. Yeah, that that's the way I should try to measure up in the world and be enough. And, you know, from vanity to, as you said, gluttony to over consuming. And, you know, as a man, just to say it out loud, you know, because I think so many men still, even though vulnerability and opening up emotionally is something that I think we are seeing more men yeah. do, it's still, you know, not really. There's so many men, including myself, not as much really anymore, but it's just an exterior that we need to put on, um, you know, misrepresenting myself. Another secret I was going to say is like, I used to travel the world for this sales gig is when, and when people would ask me what I would do, mm-hmm. I would say, Oh, I scout movie locations. Cause I was so ashamed of what I was actually doing, which was this sales job that I just felt was beneath what the world had taught me. And the belief I had made up was enough. Wow. And so I would lie. I would just flat out lie. And so these ideas of misrepresenting who we are being consumed with how we look um, needing it to be a certain way. I mean, I know women kind of want this like rough, rugged, or a lot of them act like they don't, but they kind of do this uh-huh. rough, this kind of rough, rugged, alpha, kind of manly, woodsy, marble. Well, that's what they feed to us that right. we should be attracted to. It's not like women are like, ooh, I hate that kind of, that's what's fed to us. Well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of fed that that is the representation of stability, like yeah. an, a, a man's man who pays the bills, gets it done, puts bread on the table, like, you know, wines t- and dines us, you know, right, opens the door, pays no matter what, you know, and all of these. And so it all ties into, you know, um, it's like the white knight. Yes, that we are like fed. I even said I want like a white knight to come in and just rescue me. But I really don't. <laughs> Well, and right. And so see, the opposite side of that is I'm somebody who my whole life has presented somebody that is the white knight or Superman. Mm -hmm. um, And and that's all tied back to physical appearance. Look, what I present as far as what I do. uh, Do I present somebody that's successful status, the car I drive? It's all about the exterior, because it comes back to that as I am, I wouldn't be doing these things if as I am, I really thought I was enough. Not really. I wouldn't be. You wouldn't be because you would, it would not feel good. It would not feel authentic to you if you had that self-love or we had that self-love. Right. And so as I've been progressing in this program and doing work for years, you know, I mean, listen, a lot has changed in my life and I don't act from that place 
not even close to the capacity I used to. I've done lots of outside work and, you know, train, whatever. I've done lots of work in spiritual psychology and trauma work and mm-hmm. lots of very landmark forum and all these therapy and 12-step programs. And, but, you know, in this moment, it can still get you. There's that thought of who am I going to present to the world today? And it's almost just this mechanism of yeah. like, what face do I need to put on today? We need to look good for the world. And it's like, what? You know, and there's a fine line of really looking good because we really love ourselves and we just feel better that way. Or we've just trained ourselves to think that this is, we feel better this way, you know, or we saw our parent get dolled up every day for their their whole life. And so we just do it, you know, or my father, when I was a kid, he used to look at himself in the mirror, everything first in the morning and comb his hair. And guess what I can still do somewhat regularly is when I wake up, I go to the bathroom and there's a mirror there. And next thing you know, I'm looking in the mirror and just running a brush through my hair. (laughs) And it's like, and I just notice it. And I'm like, what? Like what, you know, and I think part of the growth in life is just learning to let go of the shame and guilt narrative that so many of us have almost unconsciously. It is unconsciously, I feel like most well, of the it time. Is, yeah, it is, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, and so looking in the mirror and being like, uh, oh, okay, I don't do that like I used to, but that's there. Like just saying out loud to the world is a man. Like, just like anyone else, I have vanity. Yeah. I, su- I suffer from the defect of pride and vanity. In my opinion, I think it's one of the biggest let's call it uh, vehicles to staying stuck in pain and discomfort is the addiction to one's body. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. When I was in my addiction, I was obsessed with my body obsessed. And how do you think it affected your relationships with the opposite sex? When I'm obsessed with my body, when Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed with, I don't really feel I'm enough. Hence why I'm obsessed with if I look enough, And because I'm so consumed with this level of self and what I present to the world, and I justify it with like, oh, it's just my job or, you know, it's just what the world does. um, I can't really be present and connected with somebody else's feelings, well-being, uh, emotion, their time, because I'm constantly trying to get what I need. Yeah. So if I'm always trying to get what I need, and I'm doll, and I'm consumed with me and what I need to be to get what I need, then I'm always taking from you. And if I'm taking from you, there's a block to love and intimacy. Completely. There is a, there's no real love and intimacy. So I'll never forget, I did a landmark forum type workshop and I was doing a, what do you call it? A um, process, an exercise or process. And it was a process where everyone around you is supposed to say a word to you that is their experience of you that's just coming forward from them. Oh, like, I've done that too. I've done an exercise like that. Okay, go on. And the word <laughs> and the word that they used to me was inauthentic. Oh <gasps> no. Oh yes. And and I'll and I tell you what happened is I felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even really know what the word meant, to be honest with you. I really didn't. It, it's like I knew it at an intellectual level, but it didn't really connect in my body. Yeah, it didn't resonate with you at all. Well, it did that night in my hotel room. It hit me that what it really meant is that every relationship in my life, every relationship was really an exterior fake me that I had built up based off all my childhood wounds to present out in the world so that I could feel safe and enough and matter. And I cried. I mean, it brings me tears. I cried for hours because... For me, when I'm really in that 
state of being consumed with self and vanity and this sex, love, intimacy, addiction that's driving me when I haven't dealt with it, I'm inauthentic because yeah. I'm, I'm presenting a fake me. In every area of your life. Every, every area. And that's, that's what I experienced being in doing this work for so long is that I realized everybody in my life, my friends, my family, everybody, it was just like I was using them as a mirror to reflect what I wanted to see. You could put a bag over their head. It didn't matter. It was only using them for me. And that was a huge revelation also. Yeah, I mean, and look, you could easily say on the surface, like, how did it affect things? I mean, uh, volatility, anger, uh, hurt, um, frustration, sadness. I mean, I co-created. I'm not one of those people that were 100% responsible for somebody else's emotions, but I definitely co-created a lot of confusion Mm. and pain. And, you know, in my life today, I try to use a mantra regularly where I'm like, you know, higher power, God, Holy Spirit, Buddha, whatever you want to call it, like, be my ears, be my eyes, be my mouth, be my hands, be my feet, be my body. Like, you know, I I want to do things that are for the greatest good of everybody involved. Like, I want to be of service. Like, what, how can I be a, a, a conduit for what, you know, your miraculous will or your, the divine order is in the world? I don't want to be a taker. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, when, when you're in the midst of the self obsession and vanity, you're just basically always on the take, even when you don't think you are. Yeah, I agree. And that actually leads me in you almost answered the entire question, but let's just hit it. The seven deadly sins, we are already kind of talking about them, how it attaches to this secret of vanity for you as a man. So we have pride, greed, lust, gluttony, envy, anger, and sloth. I mean, it's interesting because I actually, part of the, um, I, I wrote like the, the seven deadly sins down in this spiritually drunk kind of writing that I wrote. Oh my I, God. Well, I, cre- I created the spiritually drunk podcast with the intention to just be honest and open. It's kind of like a different version of what you're doing. Like, let's yeah, talk, it sounds like it. Like, let's talk about the day-to-day behavior that you're engaging in in your life. Mm-hmm. Even though you're really spiritual and you meditate and you do yoga and you read all the books, but like, that's great. But what are you not addressing? Like, what, you know, if you're, if you're that person and you still feel like something's missing, it's probably the thing you're not addressing that's active in your human life now, you know? And like, so the seven deadly sins, I mean, Pride is, of course, you know, vanity is also another term for pride. Yeah. You know, and that's all based in the world of I'm special. Ego. Yeah, this is the ego world is I'm special, Bo, and (laughs) I'm my own unique, special individual. And we've all been taught this for hundreds and hundreds of years. Like I know. But especially in the West. It's gross. Oh, it's gross. It makes me actually now want to go, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. when people come in and they're like, I thought I was unique. I was like, please, like, get in line. We're all the same, you know? I feel like you should find, like, some kind of recording of somebody vomiting and, like, interject that into this part of the podcast. Like, just, <laughs> <laughs> Like, anytime somebody says something that you don't like, you should just have that playing, like, <laughs> <laughs> Totally. Um, but, like, it, it, I mean, all the seven deadly sins, which I love, are wrapped into... Look, if I don't think I'm enough, which I think a lot of the world suffers from. Yes, I agree. Because of the conditioning we've had for so long, you know, I mean, pride is there because it's all about me and my mind is always trying to pull it back to me. And it's Mm -hmm. all about trying to make my specialness more special or hopefully 
let's, I want you to see my specialness. Yeah. Um, envy is tied in with it because, you know, my head is also convincing me because I'm not enough. It's always looking out in the world to kind of shame me like, oh, look at them that are in better shape or have more money or are more successful. So what do we do? Let's go back and fix up our skin suit and our world. And, you know, let's let's get it looking good enough so we can have what they have and be what they are. Yeah, it's, not- it's that whole compare and despair. That That is like my worst character defect that I carry sometimes. Yeah. You know, so I mean, look, I, I could go down the list. I mean, I relate to all the seven deadly sins. I mean, gluttony. I mean, cons- I mean, look, being consumed with yourself too much is gluttony. I'm gluttonous yeah. with myself. Yeah. You know, I mean, but uh, I mean, consuming, we all know, I mean, gluttony is cons- binging social media, binging Netflix, binging food. You know, I mean, gluttonous is, is all tied to the body, you know, lust yeah. body. You know, I mean, one of the things one time I was writing, just trying to write out ideas with spiritually drunk. And I was like, I was like, should the title be, um, you know, how to stop using spirituality to seduce control and take from other people. Totally. That stuff drives me crazy too. You know, like, like healthy sexuality is of the spirit. It has nothing to do with the physical body. The, mm. body, the bodies are a conduit for spirit, you know, could, you know, and, and the whole idea of like most of us, I mean, just look at pornography and media. I mean, if you search any word on social media, it could be minivan. It doesn't matter. It's going to be some girl in a bikini with her butt cheek. And by the way, as I'm trying to say, like I sexualize myself. One of the things that I want to say out loud is a lot of times I would make women wrong in the ba- in the past because look at them and they're objectifying their self and I'm going to be a Superman to the rescue, white knight who doesn't objectify them, but I'm totally objectifying because I still objectify myself. I yeah. just want I just want to be the nicer version that like somehow justifies my objectifying. But, you know, a lust is body-based. And if I don't think I'm enough, I'm constantly trying to fix up the body to be enough. And I sexualize myself, I objectify myself. But again, if you just look at how crazy pornography and social media is, I mean, it's enough said. Well, I think pornography is pretty much ruining our world right now. And I saw a whole thing about it on CNN. It's how it's how much access it's actually damaging, especially young boys. I mean, they say boys are actually looking at pornography at the age of eight and it's desensitizing the connection between men and women. Do you believe that's true? I 100 percent believe it's true. I think I mean, let's be clear. People go to rehab for pornography rehab Mm -hmm. (laughs) like You know, they're not just like going to a therapy, like people go to inpatient rehab for sex and love stuff. But people don't talk about that. Well, I mean, that's why we're doing this podcast, why you're doing your podcast. (laughs) I mean, the reason I created my podcast initially, you know, the sex and love and intimacy dysfunction. When you say the word addiction, the world still gets very weird and scared and they, I I don't know. So that's why I like to change the words. It's like, if you're not addressing the sex, love and intimacy dysfunction in your own life, there's a problem because 97% of the world has it. I don't care what anybody says. And I could prove it if I probably just hung around somebody for 48 hours. You know, like, well, let me just hang out in your house and just, you know, and, and go to your job. Fly. And, I'll just watch you and yeah, see how you me, interact with the world around you. Yeah, you know, and I think that this is, you know, what's going on with the Me Too in the world and all the ways that it's, it is kind of surfacing, at least the dilemma, um, you know, but all the ways, it's like, I wanted to create something to say, hey, listen, guys, most of us have this kind of animalistic, 
false conditioning, uh, an inappropriate mechanism around sex, love, and intimacy, and we got to talk about it. You're yeah. watching too much pornography? I get it. Magazines, you're cheating, you're going to massage, whatever you're doing, whatever your voyeurism, whatever the weird thing is, it's okay. But yeah, like, if you, don't talk, do it. if you don't talk about it, it's probably going to destroy your life or the people around you if it hasn't already. It's 100% going to destroy your life. And that's why I did this is because these secrets actually destroy your life, even when you're not aware they are. I mean, it brought me to my knees. I mean, I was literally somebody who, you know, part of not loving yourself and being obsessed with how you look and vanity and pride and gluttony and the self consumed that needs to be better because it's not enough. And, you know, that person is constantly basically dishonoring themselves regularly this this voice that sometimes breaks through that says can we please go another direction and we just can't honor it because we mm -hmm. have no ability to honor it because we're owned by this insane urge to keep moving into this thing that's convincing us it'll make us feel better it'll give us what we need but eventually you wind up on a floor cringed over with actual stomach pain mm -hmm. on the floor still not being able to leave the situation you're in because you don't know how to get honest with somebody. Yeah. And that's where I ended up just on the floor in pain, not being able to move literally because I was, I was so filled with shame and guilt and fear about how I had been behaving in my life. And I, and I didn't know how to stop. And that was, you know, some years ago, but. But that was probably the best moment of your life. The worst moment, but the moment where you had to make a choice. Either I keep doing what I'm doing or I die, you know? <laughs> or I mean, really, there's no choice. As I've said a million times, like speaking at jails, talking to people, the, this disease kills people spiritually and physically sometimes. I mean, I, yeah, I am of a big proponent that, um, whether it's in this lifetime or the next, because I believe that souls have multiple lifetimes and that we're mm -hmm. here to do do the work to wake up and whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But, um, you know, I'm, I am the, of the mindset that whether it's in this lifetime or the next, everyone will eventually address the the human levels, uh, the, the human instincts that are out of alignment with uh, how they were initially. Like, if you imagine yourself when you're sick, three months old, six months old, nine months old, no human adult would say, oh, yeah, I was totally filled with lust and self-obsession and codependency <laughs> and and like compare and despair, despair. and shopping <laughs> like I because we were totally present and we were totally connected because our soul self was still the dominant self when we're a yeah. baby. So I'm totally and that what we're here to do is you know, remember who we really are. And if you you can't just skip your human dysfunction and jump to like, I'm going to do ayahuasca and meditate and like levitate and like, I'll just, I'm just going to heal. It doesn't work that way. But my last question for you, if someone's listening right now, and especially if it's a man and he also is, you know, in that vanity cycle of destruction, what would be your advice for them? Call me call you. You going to put your number in the thing? <laughs> Absolutely. 310-806-0509. If you're a man and you need help and you just don't know how to get on it. I, I mean, if you're a woman, you could call, but I'm probably going to put you in touch with another woman, like the one that we're talking yeah. to, Brianne. Yes. But, um, but nonetheless, you know, if you're a man and you just don't know how to be honest, like I did for so long and you need somebody, call me. Like, you know, honestly, uh, but, but the advice really is kind of that simple, especially if you relate to 
the secrets of in the sex and love or intimacy areas or dysfunction, because as we say, it's our secrets that kill us. It's our secrets that keep us sick. We're only as sick as our secrets. And in that area, I know what it's like to be a man and feel like I need to keep putting on the Superman suit and I don't know how to take it off. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so the idea is like, call me, find somebody. But the real answer to that question is, you know, the truth is find someone, whether it's a therapist, a 12-step program, a coach, someone that you can be honest with. Like, go spill it. Because this is the thing that's keeping you from remembering that you're Neo in the Matrix. Because that's what we're all meant to do is wake up to our Neo. Like you mm -hmm. think you're in the real world and it's not the real world. It's a false self world. Yeah. And the only way you get to wake up is you got to do the human work. It's not fun, but you know. It's so the only way, honestly. It's the, it really is the only way. I mean, look, there's a thousand paths up the mountain, but there's only one mountaintop. You know, like that's my, like there's only one destination point. That's to remember who we are. But I am, I am the believer that if it's a human instinct issue, sex and love, food, money, gambling, you know, that it, it's, you know, the only way is like, we got to do some real therapeutic work, 12 step work, or we don't probably have a shot. So call me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this secret. I am internally grateful. It was really my pleasure. I am grateful to, I'm honored to be asked to share and speak a secret. And I just, I hope, yeah, I hope, I hope it was good for you and I hope it helps somebody else and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was my pleasure to be on. And if you want to be on the show, please email me at secretlifepodcast at iCloud.com. Until next time. Thank you again for listening to Secret Life Podcast. Please subscribe, share, send me a note, and you can always support the show with a donation on our site, secretlifepodcast.com. Until next time, bye.